Hello again, this is Altalena, and welcome back to an aesthetic education. Today is the first episode in our series of interviews and specials where we hear about the realities of working with aesthetics directly from artists and passionate creatives. Today's guest and our first ever on this show is Coleman Charters. Coleman is a painter based in Phoenix, Arizona, who specializes in vibrant Western-inspired pieces. Coleman is a dynamic young artist who deals with the spirit of that untapped and natural potential that used to be found in the Wild West. I am truly excited for our conversation today. So without further ado, let's get started. Coleman, welcome as the very first guest to an aesthetic education. We are super happy to have you and excited to hear some of your thoughts. And as a young upcoming artist from the Western half of this country, uh, we feel especially proud uh, as Americans from, you know, that side of the country that maybe people don't think about art quite as much coming from. Um, So thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It means the world. Um, and I uh, really appreciate uh, uh, being able to do this today. Fantastic. So I thought we would just kind of get started with, uh, you know, it's like a bit of a psychological insight, a little bit of a, you're not on the couch. Uh, Freud is not in the room, but, you know, <laughs> going back in the memories a little bit. So I'm always fascinated to sort of think about where do artists kind of get that little spark of creativity from? So just thinking back to some of maybe your earliest memories about where that fascination with art or creativity, like what was kind of that first point where you sort of really thought of yourself as I'm a creative person and I like to do this, you know, not just for myself, but for others as well. To be honest, I, you know, I think like maybe first grade, I immediately was doodling constantly. Every, every bit of homework I had, had, you know, all these different designs all over, all these wacky characters. And I think a lot of that came from uh, how many cartoons I watched as a kid. You know, I, I absolutely adored uh, Hanna-Barbera uh, Hanna Barbera, uh, and all of their early cartoons like Tom and Jerry, you know, the Pink Panther. Seeing that art as a kid really erased a lot of the intimidation of being an artist. I saw things like, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the early Tom and Jerry title cards, but they're, they're mm-hmm. beautiful. They're, oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, they're, they're quick little scenes that somebody actually painted up before about, you know, I, I what is it? A, it's, a, it's a cartoon about a mouse and a cat attacking each other. So I remember being very young and seeing that and being like, OK, so art's anything. Art is art is creation. It, it doesn't have to be this thing high up on a shelf. So that that's definitely one of the first moments in yeah. my really young career. I was like, whoa, I can I'm so excited by this kind of thing. Yeah, that's amazing. I think I think people often miss the point, honestly, when it comes to cartoons as an art form and just how much effort kind of goes into the creation of that stuff. And certainly here in America, I mean, that was such a huge pop part of pop culture for, mm. you know, I mean, from the earliest form of animation, really. And like to take those steps is, you know, I think took a lot of creativity and a lot of insight, both in terms of well, how does something look visually good and visually interesting, but also how do we tell a story with that? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, 
So I think that's really fascinating. So what I mean, so besides for Tom and Jerry, thinking just back to, so you would draw on your homework. I was a former teacher, so I kind of get that. I used to see, you know, my students draw and stuff like that. Hopefully it wasn't because they were too bored or things like that. But, um, but I think, you know, so what, what would you kind of draw? I mean, what were sort of some of the things that you would, you know, spark your interests and things like that? You know, I, I love the idea of characters. I love the idea of looking at a cartoon character and immediately knowing their personality. I really found that amazing. Like something you could associate with, I, I don't even know how to really say it. It was just, you know, you could look at a drawing from one of my favorite cartoons as a kid and you know what kind of character that was going to be. So I would really focus on drawing outlandish, strange looking characters. And if I wasn't doing that, I was kind of doing kind of mini reflections of of me. Uh, when I was younger, I, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I saw that a lot of the kids were okay with being in school and I was, I was happy to learn, but I wasn't super happy to be in school 24 seven. So I would definitely draw, you know, I don't know, somebody sleeping, somebody bored, somebody running, somebody doing something that I wanted to do. So definitely, definitely a lot of little characters running around my, uh, my homework, anything, yeah. anything sitting still which is what we were you know assigned to do you know 24 <laughs> 7 yeah did you ever actually have and this is this is just the educational side of my brain thinking did you ever have the opportunity to use that stuff in your own schoolwork at some point or obviously did your school kind of have an art program that supported you know drawing painting different types of things i know my high school had a ceramics program actually which was pretty pretty rare and i don't know if they still do anymore but um, you know, rare. things like that, right? You know, uh, to be honest, uh, we had an art teacher. I went to a, a little, a little, to a little private Catholic school. Um, my parents were just, they were, they were hoping they'd get like a head start on high school by doing that. Um, and these people were nice, but they hated me drawing. And they, um, to be honest, I think the art teacher was even fairly unhappy. <laughs> it's like, I remember thinking like, wow, I think I'm doing art, but no one's very happy about it. <laughs> like, right. like it was, so. it was, uh, it was strange. It was very, it was very strange dichotomy. I remember a lot of times, most of my things were thrown out by a teacher and I was always like, wow. whatever, I'm just going to keep drawing. Like, <laughs> yeah. In some ways I think like, you know, does that sort of give you almost the opposite, you know, impetus to, to keep going. Right. And mm. to, to sort of think that, okay, well, if other people don't see value in it, I'm going to find value in it my own way. Very much so. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know, maybe some part of my brain definitely got a kick out of seeing a teacher upset about drawings and seeing yeah. them throw it out. I was like, oh, I'm just going to have to make more. <laughs> yeah. I think that's I great. I, I, yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I just, I, I think it says a lot about our education system in this country and, and the fact that, you know, something that clearly leads to various other avenues and develops so many other different, you know, sort of notions and ideas around critical thinking and things like that often just gets kind of pushed to the side and in the name very, of, you know, the norm, as it were. Very um, much so. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, incredibly sad a lot of the time but you know honestly i think a lot of the time it ends up pushing people more to be like no yeah. i'm, I'm gonna. so maybe for the better <laughs> yeah absolutely um so thinking about you know and i've obviously i'm gonna put the put the caveat out there to our listeners but uh you know i've commissioned work from you i i know your stuff i love your stuff but just to kind of just 
to describe and and obviously this is audio so if you if you do uh you know we'll talk you can give a shout out to your instagram page at the end but you know if you do want to see actual pictures of coleman's work um he has a website he's on social media uh we'll put links up to that um in our description as well but uh, if you could just kind of give us a sort of rundown of what's you know what's typical about your style what sort of mediums do you like to work with um you know subject matters that you sort of try and deal with and and things like that hmm. You know, if I were to describe my work, I'd say it's a contemporary Western collage. Um, I, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of different Western art while I worked in Scottsdale. I worked at a lot of different galleries. And I'm, over time, I found out I just didn't want to be a salesperson. But while I was there, the type of Westerns I saw were wonderful, you know, landscapes, um, certain scenes, you know, people running from each other, you know, like the, the, there's the cops and robbers scenario that you always see. And it was cool, but it wasn't what I wanted in my home. I, um, you know, there's a difference between something you want in your house and then a museum piece. Museum pieces are wonderful. Personally, I just chose to go with, um, you know, loud, bright, vibrant colors first off. And I love the idea of cowboys. I love the idea of the West. So I, I, I kind of over the last couple of years, I've really worked to push those two together. And I also realized that if I threw a little bit of collage in there, it would make more sense aesthetically. If I just had the Western aspect and the bright colors, I didn't know if I'd get very far with selling to people or, you know, getting my name out there. So the, the collage aspect really definitely makes people do a double take on a lot of my work. And I, I think it's really benefited me. I'm a really, really uh, happy with that sort of, uh, you know, spark that I've, I've uh, found out. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw your work, I I was really drawn to that sort of collage aspect because it is very dynamic and very different, and it's very contrasting because it's 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 oftentimes this very traditional Western cowboy motif, but then you obviously have the kind of modern current events of the newspaper clippings and other bits and pieces wrapped in there, and you know, as for those of us who've grown up loving the American West. Um, you know, that's kind of what our lives are like. We have the old image of what it once was. Um, and at the same time, obviously we have the modern world, which is, which is so totally different to the era of cowboys and everything else. No, I, I didn't even thought about it like that. I, you know, it's so funny. There's so many moments where somebody will say something like that and it's super influential. And I honestly pretty, uh, uh, pretty, uh, what's the word for it? Inspiring to hear something like that. I'm not... I'm not even there yet when I come to thinking about my own paintings, you know, it's yeah. uh, really interesting to hear or to think about how much more thinking you have to do about your own creations. And that's, that's mm -hmm. just a super take. I really enjoy that. Yeah. So do you find it, I mean, just, I mean, this is just as an artist, obviously not being one myself, but do you find it when you approach a piece, do you really actually plan it out or you just kind of, it's a lot of gut feeling and it's sort of based on instinct and, and what people draw out from that, you know, that's kind of out of your hands almost. When I first um, really thought I was getting professional with my art, um, everything was extremely clean and thought out and it would take seven months to sell a painting. Yeah. As I got more and more paintings out, I realized I was like, screw it. You know, I, I can't stay on my mistakes. It looks so much more fluid and so much more... You know, it's almost uh, it's it's intimate in a way when you make a painting that's full of mistakes, you know, quote unquote mistakes. 
I look at my paintings now, especially the last one I sent you, it, it can it can be described as a little messy. And I really kind of relish uh, relish in the idea of it's a messy painting and I love it. It's very emotional. It's it very, uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot of things. And if I stay clean and if I have a plan, it doesn't end up like that. So I think I genuinely like just attacking the canvas a lot of the time. Yeah. I, well, I think like, you know, just looking at the piece that, that you sent me, it's, it's, it's one that is the messiness works, right? The messiness really works, especially with the Western motif. Um, you know, anybody who spent any time in this country and has gone out to the middle of nowhere, uh, be it in California, Arizona, Utah, uh, New Mexico, right? All these different places where, you know, that kind of rough and tumble vibe was the day-to-day -day life of struggle and, you know, beauty and, you know, rawness and everything else. That's, that's kind of it, right? I mean, that no, is the West, you know? No message <laughs> exactly it was such a such an interesting thing so how did you kind of so as far as the imagery of like a, a, a cowboy mm -hmm. uh, so what is it sort of about that that you know you obviously keep returning to in some form or another you know i like i like the fashion i like the fashion a lot mm. uh, you know it's it's it also relates back to uh the work ethic of, of a ranch hand I mean, no matter who you were in the original West, if you weren't pulling your weight, you're screwed. And I really think that's it's something that I personally aspire to. I, it's a constant reminder of like, you can have fun in life. Life can be relaxing at times, but the truth is, is you're going to have to keep pushing. Even if it's going great. I mean, I had somebody as wonderful as you that commissioned me for a lovely <laughs> painting that really helped out in my life. I, it, there wasn't a second afterwards that I could relax. I had to keep pushing, you know, the next paint. And uh, I guess the reason I, I come back to the West and cowboys and whatnot is it's just, it's a, like I said, really inspiring. Uh, my dad, my dad put me to work really young. And, you know, even when I was like, I think it was like second grade, he got me on the lawnmower and he was like, somebody has to take care of the house, man. And me and mom are, are out trying to run our own business. So mm -hmm. you're in charge of the home. And that was such a crazy thought to me when I was younger. But as I've gotten older, I honestly, I really appreciate a lot of that hard work that was pushed on me. And I look at it now and I'm, you know, I got a, I got a lovely, clean, well taken care of home. And, you know, I, I carry it with me every day. Yeah, no, it's a powerful thought. And, and I think it also speaks back to, you know, obviously the influence of family, personal memories, you know, and, and the cowboy is really that kind of deeply symbolic, you know, piece of Americana that even to some of our listeners who aren't based, you know, in the U.S. will have some sort of image and relatability to that piece, right? Which I think is uh, is quite is quite powerful. Um, so at at what point? Just we're gonna we're gonna dovetail here. So thinking back, so obviously hard worker from a very early stage. So when it's at the what stage did you think you know I want to be an artist? I kind of want to pursue this not just as a hobby, a passion, but, you know, to gain some sort of commercial, you know, business aspect into, into that world. That's a, that's a great question. I, um, I was working in graphic design for a while. I really thought like, oh shoot, you know, I don't have any classic art training, so I don't think I'm going to be able to make any sort of suitable money off of this. You know, at the time I was selling paintings for like 40 bucks, which yeah. obviously doesn't pay rent and groceries. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, not with yeah, inflation, I, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I really wish it did. That'd be a great yeah. world to live in. 
Could you imagine going to the grocery store <laughs> for a month or something like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was doing graphic design and I had one company that I ended up working for. And it was it was just, I mean, every day I'd, I worked there for a year and they were nice people, but they were all, they had all genuinely given up on the idea of not being at work 24 seven. Mm. And and there's no there's no shame to that whatsoever. Some people genuinely work great when they get to work early in the morning and they clock out. You know, I, I can understand that. Me personally, I I, I deserve to be at home. Uh, I deserve to be in the building that I pay rent for you know, around my loved ones. And the only way I thought that'd be possible is if I got rid of this graphic design job and tried to get into a gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, once I got into the the gallery that shows me, uh, stuff started selling, and that was genuinely where I was like, if I push this, if I meet people like you, I I can make this work, and I can be an artist. And yeah, uh, they say the rest is history. Yeah, well, exactly. I think you know, it's it's sometimes it's really interesting to talk to um, artists who've been in the industry for a while and and compare their stories to artists who are really just trying to get started right now and. And really, no matter what era you're in and no matter what point, it's it's really kind of the same stories all the time, right? Um, whether it's the gallery path or nowadays online with with social media and e-commerce and and all sorts of other things that it, there's a lot of there's so many avenues and it's it's just a kind of it's it's hard, right? It's hard to find your sort of niche within that um, within that space. I mean, I've been to Scottsdale. Scottsdale has a really nice um art scene and, and, you know, as you say, very focused on the Western aesthetic, um, kind of similar to Santa Fe a little bit in, in that sense. Sure. Um, but I think it's, it's sort of underrated a little bit and there's probably a huge, I mean, how many, how many people do you sort of come into contact with that are kind of familiar with like Scottsdale art scene and Arizona art in that respect? You know, I, I meet people that genuinely, uh, you know, I, I, I meet people that know, about the area but i don't meet a lot of people that are genuinely like you know constantly succeeding over there yeah i only know i only know two other artists that are working well in scottsdale the rest of them are people that are pretty much traveling the u.s and dropping off their stuff or doing shows and they're you know Mm. miles away so it's it's very very difficult yeah yeah it's interesting and i think just right now with the way the art world is um, and you can kind of maybe speak to this a little bit, uh, how necessary, do, I mean, obviously you said it was, you know, once you started, got into the gallery that, that helped massively. Um, so what's the balance really that you sort of look at when you're kind of evaluating your, your gallery relationship versus, you know, putting your stuff up online and, and things like that? Um, well, for the gallery, there's seasons. The truth yeah. is, is my, I can only make my money most of the time because of the snowbirds. They come in and they see my different Western and they're like, okay, it's an affordable price. It, you know, I'm also, my gallery is really big into helping the community. Yeah. Um, they constantly advertise that. Um, it, would it be all right if I said their name? Oh yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. I want to be sure, but they're, they're known as art one. Um, and, uh, they, they, they just really branded themselves as somebody that if you help us out, we're helping our community out. So people see that, um, that is, you know, during the winter, uh, and the fall and the spring, that's the only time that I will make consistent money. So if I'm working on that during that time, the rest of the, the rest of the year, I have to be really pushing in almost every other day on Instagram, Twitter, 
uh, you know, TikTok is honestly extremely wonderful to use and it, it, right. it really helps. But yeah. the, the balance is wherever you know people are going to be buying your stuff, focus in on that moment, that, that, that space of time. And, you know, when that runs out, go to the next immediately, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. And just, you know, the balancing act of being an artist and, and selling something that people want in some ways, but they also don't want it all the time. Um, you know, it's not a must have commodity for survival, even if it makes us, you know, maybe aesthetically, spiritually, whatever it is better. Um, you know, but I think, I think that's really, uh, it's, it's sort of a little fascinating insight and and one that I think a lot of people will, uh, you know, sort of begin to understand. Yeah. The, the complexities that accompany trying to navigate this, this modern art world, um, Mm -hmm. especially in the U S where it's just so big. It's so massive yeah. and so regional, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm just sort of wanting to, to, you know, thinking maybe going a little bit bigger with, with kind of those ideas, um, thinking about just sort of, you know, what's as an artist, like what's in your opinion, how do people kind of perceive you, right? You say you're an artist, you know, what's like that popular conception when you say that you, do things like that, you know, and, and what is that almost like, how do you think that's kind of almost reflective um, about the way society almost views the role of the artist today, which I think is, is, is maybe not in the space that it probably should be. <laughs> I completely get what you mean. Um, uh, what was it? It was two Thanksgivings ago. I went into a bar that was like famous for everybody in our school or high schools and colleges to go the night before Thanksgiving. I have no mm-hmm. idea why, but that's what they did. So I walk in and I see people from first grade who knew I was a ADHD doodler, you know, and I, I walk in and we're talking and, you know, I'm talking to these guys and I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they were explaining that they're into, they're doing, they're the stock guys in California. And it was funny because a lot of them were telling me that they're making really good money, but none of them were very happy. And I was like, you know, if we're in our twenties, if you want to make some money, that's awesome. Just go ahead and tough it out for a little bit and figure out what you want to do with, you know, the long rest of your life. One of them uh, comes over to me. We catch up. He tells me again, he's one of the stock guys. And he goes, what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm a, I'm a painter. And he goes, houses? And I go, no, like, like canvases. And he goes, oh. And I could feel there a very familiar thing where people hear things like, oh, I'm in a band or I'm a painter or I'm a musician or, you know, wh- whatever that may be to a lot of people that aren't in this community that you and you're in, it means scary things. Like it means a lot of the times that bills may be behind in my case, like every time I've told somebody I'm an artist, they almost have a worried look on their face. And I'm like, no, no, no. Let me show you some of my stuff. So again, with that same guy, I go, yeah, I'm a, I'm a painter. And he goes, oh, that's cool. And I show him some of my stuff. And he goes, oh, my God, you're like an actual successful painter. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to be at least. You know what I mean? So it's always so funny that there's this reaction from people that aren't involved in our stuff. They, are, they, they don't understand that it's extremely possible. And it is working. And as long as you grind, it's going great. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just always funny to hear the reactions of almost worried, almost like, what does that mean? Confused isn't that a hobby is what I get a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just a funny thing. It's, I I think it's really sort of interesting the way that people 
they want it and they're like, oh, if you can do it, that's amazing. But the journey to get to that point, right, where, yes, you're earning a living, you're doing well with it, it's growing, there's an audience for it, right? Nobody's interested in that journey, right? Uh Everybody's only interested in knowing you once it's already happened, right? And then they're like, oh, wow, amazing. I always knew, I always knew you had talent (laughs) or or whatever it is. And I think that's like really kind of an insight into how we look at artists. And I mean, obviously, there's so many famous examples of artists who had no respect and no success in their own lifetime. And then only years later, obviously Van Gogh being probably the most famous in that, in that aspect, but it's, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, everybody can recognize the value and the importance of art. And that's why we still do it. And that's why people pay for it in some form. Um, But at the same time, it's also like, there's always that, "Mm, but, but why are you doing that type of thing? (laughs) It's it's um it's especially rotten when you're not able to make you know more money off of it. It's it's especially rotten when it's not helping you survive. I remember, like I said, when I was selling paintings for 20, 40 bucks. And even if those happened, I was still like, oh, like I should have charged more, or it, it you know, I will I really tell somebody that I just sold a painting for 20 bucks? Like it didn't even feel good to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Just the, Even though somebody was actually valuing your work at that point. Very much so. Above anything else is is important, right? Because if somebody else values it, then that means that there's some value in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And, and my, if the way I thought about it, if it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, if it wasn't, you know, Skyloads, you know, I just still very, very focused on if it wasn't exactly what I wanted, I wasn't interested, which I had to change up very fast if I wanted to be an artist, you know, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where if we look at the just how the role of the artist has evolved from like, I don't know, if we're going all the way back to the Renaissance, where you, you know, you were kind of like paid for by the wealthy elites, right, to make stuff, uh, you know, both for public things and and for personal things and, and whatever else it was to just kind of that trend to nowadays where it's really there's like a, it's very much an independent movement, right? Every artist sort of operates solo almost. There's not this whole group mentality, which there used to be much more of where artists would kind of congregate together. You know, I'm thinking of like the the expressionists, the German expressionists, obviously the impressionists in France and, and things like that. And, and I feel like in some ways that lack of group power is also impacting how people sort of view you know, because it's like, oh, you and everybody else. But if it's like, oh, uh, all of us together, that actually might mean something. Hmm. That's a that's a very interesting idea. I hadn't even thought about how you're, you're so right. Most artists really are by themselves on the street corner at First Friday. I don't know if you guys do things like First Friday, but it's where, you know, if you're an artist or, you know, like selling clothing, you get out on the first Friday of every month and you set up a booth. And it's constantly single or, you know, doubles at every table. And it's, you know, there's there's not a lot behind them besides, hey, I need to do this or I would like to do this. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Like modern. Yeah, I think it's it's in some ways it's kind of like it, it's just a dilemma. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually, I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure that we sort of got to this question and this idea. But um, Rothko in this, he wrote this like basically a handbook. It was his philosophy and thoughts on on art and in, he never published it he just wrote it for himself um and really? he, yeah when he after you see many years after he passed away 
Um, his kids found it and they published it. It's really interesting. If you haven't read it, I mean, I'm recommending this to, to Coleman, but also to all of our listeners. Um, it's fascinating stuff. But he kind of talked about in that in that sort of musing, I would say, about like the artist dilemma. He said that there's always like a dilemma that an artist has to face uh, in terms of the creative and then obviously the practical. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, like, well, how do you see your sort of artist dilemma almost? What does that sort of look like from your perspective? You know, the first uh, dilemma that I have with my art is the fact that I need to I need to give it the attention that it deserves. You know, meeting people like you doing things like this wonderful podcast. Um, but at the same time, my dilemma is that I, I do have a family. And I, I have I have a partner that we're we're looking to go to the end of time together. You know, there's there's so many things where I have to consider, Coleman, do you do you go get a job that can help with our life or do you focus on your painting career? And there is a lot of those points where it's like, well, yeah, I, I deserve some of my own time. But, you know, I you know I, I wake up with a wonderful partner every day that I have to be like, dang, we're we're in this together. It's not just about my my thoughts and dreams because she very much has her own thoughts and dreams as well. So the dilemma is for me personally, um, and it's not a big dilemma. It's just something I have to keep in the back of my mind. That's like you have this world of things that you have chose to focus on. And the truth is, is that you need to care about everything as much as you possibly can. And it's it, it can be very exhausting. We also have two cats and a dog. I love yeah. them to death. Man, what a what a harsh yeah. take on that as well to be like. Not only do we need groceries this week, grocery money, but we need pet supplies. And I'm like, why? <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, it's a menagerie. It's a menagerie. You know. I mean, it really uh, is. Yeah. So I'm thinking. Then I think that's a great answer. I, I I think it's so unique to each person. You know, and. And I'm fascinated to hear, you know, now we've heard your opinion and, and hopefully down the line we'll be interviewing a few other artists that's kind of compare and contrast what, what people are thinking about when they think of that dilemma. Um, so my my last kind of main question, then we'll go into like our, our little quick fire questions is, is what do you think, you know, you're an artist, you're at the, you know, you're a young artist, you're, you're doing your thing. Uh, contemporary art is vast. And if we want to get like ultra contemporary, whatever you want to call it, right, it's there's so many different things happening. What do you kind of think just from your perspective will be the I don't want to say, but the main idea, the main takeaway, like something memorable that will come out of contemporary art in the next 10 years or so? Uh, to be honest, man, there's still a ton of people that try to do this thing that's like they say, I don't get it. I think the thing to come out of contemporary art is, is you don't really have to, you don't have to be selling an idea. A lot of my paintings, you know, I have a lot of meeting behind the one that uh, you commissioned me, but a lot of times I'm just painting and I'm just trying to make something that's pleasing to my eye. It's not as heavy as it should be. And with contemporary art, I think we're getting more towards art doesn't have to be this heavy thing. It doesn't have to have 10,000 miles of explanation behind it or a story or, or even really meaning. It's okay to just have something very pretty or screw it, something ugly in front of you. Ugly is fine, man. You know what I mean? If some of my stuff turns out ugly, I'm like, well, at least there's an emotion. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, exactly. I think I mean I think it's gonna be really interesting to sort of see how that develops, right? Um, but yeah, beauty, 
right at at the core is really the fundamental thing that hopefully somebody in somewhere appreciates it right yeah. um you know so perfect i think let's get to our kind of three sort of you know just fun little ending questions hopefully um so it's like you know imagine that you know you you just have you have a freedom of choice here right uh, no no limits and and everything else um but i i would love to know if you could see an artist work in person uh that can be alive or dead who would you want to see oh man if i could if i could take a trip again this always comes back to cartoons it was very important to me as a kid if i could go to a cartoon network and really yeah. watch um uh, what is this darn name i I'll, I'll forget it just for the the sake of it but he did a show called adventure time mm-hmm. and adventure time was it's just you know the the biggest thing from my head and the most yeah. positive growth i could watch but watch those people draw oh man that'd be amazing perfect um so if you were stuck with only one medium for the rest of your life as a painter whatever whatever form you might take what would you actually think what would that be oh a black sharpie man nothing nothing better a black sharpie or some (laughs) something like that that's that's where i started it was just um you if you made a mistake it was there you know what i mean you're screwed deal with it yeah just gotta keep going Yep. Yep. Yeah. I love it. And then the last thing is really what, uh, you know, when somebody sees your piece in person, obviously not, we're going to, we're going to give that benefit, you know, so that you see it physically in person, what's kind of that feeling, what's that sensation that you want them to sort of leave with after they've seen something that you've made? I think the strongest feeling in art to me is walking by something that I've never seen and going, whoa, whether that's good or bad, whether that's ugly or trash, quick, quickly made or, you know, a long manufacture time, it's so enjoyable to hear people go, I've never seen something like this. Our world is so populated with, you know, constant recreations, which is okay. You know, I, I don't have a problem with it. But to see something that's truly original, Christ, man, that's, that's amazing. That's almost impossible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a dream. Yeah, it really is. I love it. I love it. Well, Coleman, thank you so much for being on an aesthetic education with us. Um, you want to give a quick shout out to your to your socials and, and everything else? Sure. Yeah. Um, my, my biggest one is definitely just whytho.art. Um, that's either the URL for my website, like www.whytho.art, or my Instagram is just whytho.art. And uh, I believe my TikTok is the same. Yeah, whytho.art. It's Perfect. pretty much where I but absolutely everything. I will link everything into our descriptions for this episode. Uh, but we- Coleman, thank you again. It's been fantastic. It's been super insightful. And I'm sure that we will have you back on, uh, hopefully in the not too distant future. If you enjoyed this show, please give us a follow on your preferred podcast listening platform, as well as on Instagram or Facebook you can find us under altalena.art. A link to this week's podcast can also be found on our website, altalena.art forward slash aesthetic education. If you are interested in seeing more of Coleman's paintings, the links to his website and social media can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you back real soon. <laughs>